0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Ladies and gents, boys and girls, what is up? Thursday, February the 9th, 2023. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you all tuning in. Got a lot to get into here on this Thursday. I see C Youngblood, Travis Allen, Hunter Kelly, Xavier Gad, uh, Bruin Nation, Chase Floyd, Madison Duncan, Jeff Gulledge, Travi, Noah Johns, Jesse, Ethan. What's going on? Appreciate you all tuning in. Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord. Head over to the TDC Questions channel. The TDC Questions channel be sure your questions are answered there. Guys, of course, as always, we're taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. Very excited to chat. With each and every single one of you, we had a great conversation already this morning with J.C. Sherbert, J.B., and Phil Mullinax of Inside the Gamecocks. Appreciate those guys having me on. Of course, as you all know, I'm on there live every single Thursday, 1130, up until right before our show here. Also, we'll have J.C. Sherbert on the show at 115. Very excited to chat with him. Uh, of course, we did not get JC on last week due to some personal matters he had to attend to. So we will touch on Nicholas Harbor a little bit, what's going around with the facility upgrades and everything else in between. Again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Of course, TDC is always brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Go download the Price Picks app or go to PricePicks.com. When you do, use the promo code TSUS at sign up. To receive a 100% instant deposit match to $100, guys, you can play college sports, pro sports, anything and everything you can think of. Also, you need prize picks for the Super Bowl, man. If you don't have prize picks for this Sunday, what are you doing? If you're going to gamble, you need prize picks. There's so much money to be won. So many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. So, again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use that promo code TSUS. To receive 100% instant deposit match out of $100, be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Anyways, guys, 8437903377. Really appreciate you guys taking the time. Uh, again, JC Sherbert will join us at 115 and, and really, really excited to chat with you all. Of course, podcast also dropped this morning, episode 758, our final, our final position unit preview for the Yardcocks heading in the 2023 season as we talked the outfielders on today's show. We also touched on the court Cox just briefly and Dimitri Cortis of 11.7. My good buddy, he also joined. He is the co-host of the 11.7 podcast with Ben Upton, who has been on the airwaves with me before. But uh, Dimitri joined us. It was really great chatting with him, talking South Carolina, SEC. Of course, all things college baseball. Highly suggest you guys Go check it out. And we sit just eight days away from opening day. Cannot wait for it, man. Going to be an absolute blast. Next Friday is going to be absolutely incredible. Uh, Guys, a quick reminder, in case you did forget, the podcast, of course, is going to drop as normal. It's going to be a big week for the podcast next week, but there will be no TDC Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Yours truly going to be out of town for those three days. We will get back after it in studio on thursday and then of course friday will be live and friday will be a blast man we'll, we'll go live as normal noon to two i don't know I, I might do something a little special for opening day i'm not exactly sure what we could do or what we will do but uh you know last year of course you guys might recall i was i was grilling hot dogs and, and doing that whole thing I, I don't know if i'll quite go that far but uh no, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, and and looking forward to it. Obviously, again though, taking your questions, comments, calls. and I excited to chat with you all, and uh, I mean you guys know it just it hits different. It hits different. Um, hits different for yours truly. We start talking baseball, and I absolutely love it. And you know it's a uh, it's a good time. It's a good time. So Brian Dean, let's get in your question. Says who's our running backs going to be in the spring? Juju Lavasi, Carroll, and Mario Anderson. Anyone I missed? I, I think Dontavious Braswell, the freshman. I think he's on campus, so could he factor into the uh, into the rotation? Could he factor in? Um, you know, could could it? Could he factor into the battle? I'm I'm not exactly sure. I have got to think though, man. I and mean, it's and it's no disrespect to anybody currently on the roster, but you you've got to think they're going to go try to find a running back in the portal. I, you just it, like it wouldn't hurt, would it? It wouldn't hurt. It would not hurt to try to go find a guy who's maybe a seasoned veteran or, or someone that's had a lot of success at the SEC level before. You know, you like Juju McDowell, but do we really see him as RB1? You know, Lavoisier Carroll, he, he's nothing He's nothing but upside, right? I mean, he's all potential, but potential is a scary word because he hasn't done it before. And then Mario Anderson, as much as I like him, and go Wolves, right? But, I mean, he's never played a snap at the Division One level, much less the SEC level or the Power Five level. So, um, <clears throat> it would not surprise me at all to see them go get a running back in the portal. Uh, let's see. Austin Gregory, what's up, my friend? Appreciate you tuning in. Kelly Hammond said, the more I fe- or hear about this big expansion, the more I like. If handled correctly, this could make Columbia and Gamecock Sports a destination, location, and big money benefits for all involved. I had somebody else, or I see somebody else. Yeah, Travis says, why is it such a secret on the new development? Or at least it seems that way. You know, Travi, I think it's just when you have a project of this magnitude, I, I just think that things are not exactly they're not exactly finalized, if you will. So I think the last thing they want to do is announce something, right? Is that announce something and then say, "Oh, wait, actually, we need to pivot. We need to go a different direction." Sorry for getting your hopes up. So I, I think it's one of those things, Travi, where I mean, it's it's such a long, it's such a long process, anyways, right? It's such a long process, anyways, that they're like, "What's the rush? What's the rush?" Right? So, um. Anyways, uh, let's see. So, very exciting news, guys. How about this? Let's go. Just got an email from Carolina Ale House. The dates for the spring tour have officially been approved. They have been approved. How about it? How about it? So, we're going to get the graphic put together. I will announce this a little bit later today. Maybe tomorrow. Probably later today. But the dates for the Yale House tour have been approved. And no, this is not the big news. The big news, I, I am waiting on a return email from the other party that we are working with. Trust me, it is in the works. But uh, that, I will let, trust me, guys, I will let you guys know what's going down as soon as that. But, but this is also exciting news. This is also very exciting news. Uh, Brewing Nation, the big announcement should come very, very soon. It should come very, very soon. But, um, uh, this is not a big announcement, but it is a big announcement. The spring tour dates are officially finalized. So the graphic will come out later today. I will go ahead and tell you all right now, though, what we're going to be doing. So without further ado, here are your spring tour dates. It's like a schedule reveal almost. Um, the spring tour at the various Carolina Alehouse locations will start. They're all going to be on Thursdays, by the way. Let, let me double check that. I think it's, they're all Thursdays. I, I'm pretty sure. Unless, uh, yes, they're all Thursdays just like they were over the summer for the summer tour. So, they're all Thursdays. We're going to start this thing March the 23rd. Our first date going to be in Columbia at the Harbison location. So, we are coming out the gates hot in Columbia. That's March 23rd. Again, I will drop all these on a graphic. You don't need to write these down. You don't need to do anything crazy. I just want to make you guys aware because the dates are set. Anyways, March 23rd will start in Columbia. March 30th, the following Thursday, will be downtown Greenville, right here down the road. The next Thursday, April the 6th, we will be in Woodruff Road. Woodruff Road location. Very excited, back-to-back weeks in Greenville. April the 13th, we will be in Somerville. Shout-out to my Somerville folks down there close to Charleston, which this is actually going to work out beautifully for yours truly because I am planning on that week, I will be down uh, I will be down in Hilton Head for the Heritage. And I will be leaving, departing from Hilton Head, shooting straight up to Charleston. Figured that was, uh, why not? That was a good idea. So April the 13th, that Thursday, we'll be in Somerville the following week. Which actually also, that is the week of the spring game. So just keep you guys updated. That's the week of the spring game. We'll be in Somerville that Thursday before the spring game. The following Thursday, April the 20th. We will be in Fort Mill. <clears throat> all my, all my, uh, what do you, what do you call it? Not upstate Gamecocks, but uh, Rock Hill, Charlotte Gamecocks. My Charlotte Gamecocks. My Charlotte Gamecocks. April the 20th, that Thursday, we'll be in Fort Mill. And then our final stop, April 27th. <laughs> I know my Myrtle Beach folks are like, bro, did you really leave us off? April 27th, we will be in Myrtle Beach. So, looking forward to it, guys. A lot of fun. Again, I will drop the full graphic with that announcement, all the details, all that good stuff. Those will start uh, in regards to the times. This will probably get going at like 6 o'clock, something like that. So, and it's going to be really fun, you know, during um, during baseball season and, of course, the spring game going on and, and stuff like that. So, really, really exciting stuff. So, those are your dates. Again, I will drop the graphic later today. I will drop the graphic later today. And, uh, yes, Brian, I listen, the towels are sitting right next to me. I will have the towels, Brian. I'm Brian, I'm going to save 10 towels for you specifically. I'm going to give you a couple backups too. So, Brian Lattimore gives me hell because every time I've seen him, you know, the summer tour last year, we did not have towels because my the, the merch guy, some things happened, whatever. We didn't have the towels for Myrtle Beach. And then – um, uh, when I saw Brian Lattimore at the, at the Gator Bowl, I literally sold out of towels in, in like 30 seconds. So I, I owe Brian Lattimore and I owe my Myrtle Beach folks and I was really excited though. I mean, I, 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 put Myrtle Beach at the end for a reason because I'm trying to wait until it's really, really warm, can go to the beach, can enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to it, really looking forward to it and, um, excited for the tour, man. It's, it's a really fun thing to get out and about and, and see you guys and interact and, um, uh, you know, talk Gamecocks and, It'll be an exciting thing. Madison Duncan, yes, hey, Madison, we will do more ticket giveaways. I promise you this is something I want to make a much, much more frequent thing. So do not be bummed. I, I will say, though, Madison, and make you feel good, the guy that won, I think he's got like two daughters, so he's going to take his wife and his daughters. It's a nice thing, man. It- you just love that. I- you know, we love helping out Gamecocks and getting them to games. And, um, you know, it's-, it's a cool thing. So it- it's – you know that's that's the beautiful thing at TSUS and why I love what I do—the ability to impact people in a positive way and and give back—and uh, so really really cool. Really excited for them to go to the game and it's going to be a great one on Sunday. Kemper, the spring game is April the fifteenth. April the fifteenth, Saturday, April the fifteenth. They have not announced a time, Kemper. I don't know why they wouldn't just do a night spring game again. I mean, as 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 successful as that was, why wouldn't they do it? You know, why wouldn't they do it? So um april the 15th saturday april the 15th that is when the spring game is so anyways anyways the alehouse tour dates have been confirmed really really excited and also because i've been waiting on them for like three weeks to get back to me i know they're busy shout out to shout out to lee russell the real mvp the real mv lee as i call her because there's two lees within carolina alehouse she's the real mv lee we love both lees though but uh now, she's awesome. Carolina Alehouse, they're, they're, those folks over there, man, they're, they're incredible. And I really do appreciate them, their love and support of TSUS. Coleman Hall says, let's get back in your questions. As weird as this may sound, I'd rather us go running back by committee compared to forcing an underwhelming run game. Aside from South Carolina State, and our run game was meh at best as a whole. I mean, yeah, Coleman, I mean, Mark Ryan made the point yesterday. We finished outside the top 100 rushing offense, which, I mean, I already knew this. I already knew this. Um, but it, it's just crazy to think about our lack of ability to run the ball and stop the run and still win and, and just win despite it, right? Because all we hear is how important line of scrimmage is. All we hear is how important run game is, and I still think it is important, but, uh, you know, it just goes to show, and I think, again, Shane Beamer showing on the recruiting trail, if we can get that side of things figured out, if we can get the line of scrimmage figured out, sky's the limit because we're winning without it. So if you have it, I mean, think about how much better your offense is going to be, right? How much better specifically is your offense going to be if you can run the ball, if you can find some real balance? I mean, I, I think there's some stat. <clears throat> you want to go beyond just last year. You want to, like, I, I would love, and, and I know it sounds like a no-duh thing, guys, but if, if like, I, I would love to know the statistics over the last decade. What is South Carolina's record when we run the ball, when we run for 100 yards or more in a game? I think you'd be astonished how good it is. I think you'd be absolutely astonished, like truly. And again, this might feel like one of those no-duh statistics. It might feel like one of those (laughs) no-duh statistics, but it's just baffling. It's baffling, truly. Uh, Yes, so. So, to 12 Chris Smiths, a baseball watch party during the tour a couple times for baseball playing. Yes, to your point, there will be a couple of the tour dates where South Carolina baseball will be playing. For example, excuse me, guys, excuse me. March 30th, the Gamecocks take on Mississippi State. Okay, that's a big one. Mississippi State at Mississippi State. So we'll watch that one together. The following week, the Gamecocks will take on the number one ranked LSU Tigers in Columbia. We'll be, and so let me, let me, let me just, let me coordinate this, right? So March 30th, Gamecocks are at Mississippi State. We will be downtown Greenville. So I think that'll be a really, really cool opportunity to put some college baseball in the tube and watch the game. The following week, April the 6th, we're at Woodruff Road. The Gamecocks take on the number one ranked LSU Tigers. So we'll be able to watch that game together there. Uh, the 13th in Somerville, there is no game. The 20th, let's see. The, or excuse me, March the 23rd, we are in Columbus. Sorry, I'm getting my dates mixed up. March 23rd, we're in Columbia at Harbison. Yeah, sorry, guys. I'm getting messed up. Yeah, okay, so the, I, I was right. The, I got it pulled up now. The 30th, we are downtown Greenville at Mississippi State. We'll watch that game. The 6th, we are on Woodruff Road. Like I said, LSU, number one LSU, we'll watch that game. The 13th, we're at Somerville, no game. The 20th, we are taking on the Florida Gators. At home, we're in Fort Mill. We'll watch that game. And then the 27th, there is no game that weekend, the Gamecocks take on Auburn at home. So, yeah, there'll be a couple. So three of those tour dates, we will have baseball games to watch. So that'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be a really, really good time. And, again, I hope to see you all out there. It'll be a blast. It'll be a blast, no doubt. So, um, <clears throat> let's see. Let's see the sixth. Okay, gotcha,
0: gotcha, 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 gotcha.
1: Yeah, looking forward to the tour, though, guys. It's it's a it's a it's a blast. I mean, it's an absolute blast, no doubt. Braddock, what's up? What's going on, Braddock? Brian Dean says it's opening weekend. UMass, UMass Lowell, yes, Brian Dean, the River Hawks, the River Hawks of UMass Lowell, the mighty River Hawks. Put some respect on the River Hawks, right? Put some respect on the River Hawks. Um, by the way, guys, another big big update today. Uh, our golf collection <clears throat> has officially hit the online store. If you go to tsus.store, you'll see it right there in our featured collections, the golf collections. We've got uh, polos. We've got quarter zips. And I will be adding more designs as we go. Right now, we've got the Beamer Rattler designs up. We've got Big Cock Club. We've got our ass-kicking chicken designs. We've got the main logos. We've got uh, Beamer Ball. Beamer Ball is officially up there. I know that one will be really popular. Uh, so, guys, just stay tuned. Again, I'm going to add sucks. Probably going to add Shane Storm. Probably going to add uh, the Yardcock, if you will. So, really, really exciting stuff. Highly suggest you guys go check that out. It's really high-quality material. Uh, Adidas, both in the quarter zips and the polos. And, guys, I'm wearing them myself. So, I can tell you they are really, really awesome stuff. Check it out over at tsus.store. And, again, it is um, – they're, they're high-quality material. I know we've sold polos before that were kind of, yeah, they, they were that more cottony type of, no, this is your high-performance dry fit. And like I said, I'm going to be rocking this stuff because I, I'm, I'm basically living at the golf course at this point in the afternoon. So, <clears throat> appreciate you guys. Love and support the merchandise side of the business. That's over at tsus.store is where you can find all of that. Gad says he's definitely going to Woodruff Road. Clearing my schedule. Yeah, listen, Gad, I'm giving you all as much heads up as I possibly can. So a guy like Brendan M., cough, cough. No excuse, Brendan. No excuse. Jesse Jacobs, what's your handicap looking like right now? Jesse, you know, I need to honestly play more to, to have a handicap that I could tell you this is my handicap. But when I'm playing consistently, which is right now, um, I'm, I'm high 70s, low 80s. I mean, I, I really, I'll tell you, Jesse, I'd really like to get down close to scratch. I really would. I really would. I feel like I can. It's just one of those things. I mean, to, here's the thing. To get down to scratch, I'd have to play almost every day. It, for, me, it's, for me, it's all about tempo and finding consistency. And the only way that I can do that is to play all the time. I mean, go, golf, you know, it's just not a game you can pick up and and play every now and then. So I'm, you know, I'm a high 70s, low 80s player. I like to be high 70s more often than low 80s. Um, yeah, I mean, I like to play well, Jesse. I like to play well. When I play, I like to play well. That's why I'm either I'm either playing all the time or not at all. And if I'm playing, not at all. I mean, I'll still go play with people, but I just do not give a damn. And I set no expectations. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I play, I like to play well, so um, I'm swinging it pretty well right now. Really, I'm starting to feel pretty good about my swing, really finding my tempo. It's all about tempo for me. It's just all about tempo. It's all about tempo. So that's like my number one focus is tempo, smooth through the swing. Um, yeah. Anyways, so because my putting, my putting is good enough to be a scratch player, I think. I think my putting is good enough, no doubt, to be a six or seven handicapper. My short game has always been pretty solid. It's just all about consistency with, with, you know the rest of the game that, that's really what it comes down to. Uh, Austin Gregory, <clears throat> Austin Gregory, uh, Drake May versus Spencer Rattler. Is this the biggest storyline of our week one game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's a great quarterback matchup, man. I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better quarterback matchup, uh, in college football, right? I, in week one, in week one, so. That'll be a lot of fun, man. I think that's a game where I'll be curious to see what the what the Vegas over under is, what the total is. I, I think you'll you'll see a lot of points in that ball game, no doubt. And you know we're ways away from it, right? I mean, my way too early predictions. I got us in the W. I didn't give a score, but you know, I, I think that's going to be a game where you got to score. I, I really do because I you know I love your young guys in the back end of the defense, and that'll be a great opportunity for our guys, you know, to really prove themselves. But realistically, UNC is going to score some points. I mean, it, it's just you know. I, Drake, is a really good quarterback. And Hey, listen, if you can hold them down to 24 points or less, I, I, I think that you will. I, I think that you will, um, you know, I think you'll make a point right early on. That'd be a big time statement, but um, you know, I, I think realistically that'll be a little bit of a higher scoring game. And I, I would expect both guys, both Drake may and Spencer Rattler to play really, really well. Uh, Madison, yes, I saw. Don Staley is getting a statue, well deserved, absolutely well deserved. You know, I look at Don Staley a lot, like in the sense of Ray Tanner, in the sense that, you know, you could argue that Aaliyah Boston, for example, should get a statue. I, I mean, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't balk at that. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't balk at that. <clears throat> I would not balk at that at all. Um, but I think it's you know it's it's almost like. I look at it, again, like Ray Tanner in the sense of, like, there's so many great Gamecock baseball players that you could create a statue of. And it's like, which one should get a statue, right? I think Ray Tanner deserves the statue. The guy that actually pulled the strings behind the scenes, recruited those players, constructed what the program became and what I still view it as it is. That's that's how I view the Don Staley statue thing. Like, it, it, it's just... You know, it, 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 you're able to knock it out. I think in one statue by just recognizing Dawn Staley. Like she is the one behind it all. She is the one that has built this program. She deserves really all the praise and all the glory for what has happened. So, um, again, that's not to say that they should not find other creative ways to celebrate great players like Aaliyah Boston, right? And I, dude, I listen. I say, I still. I mean, this is this is. I'll tell you this on that note. And this is something that, I mean, I choose just not to beat my head in over and, and what have you, but I don't understand why South Carolina baseball, why we don't do a better job around the ballpark at recognizing our greats. I, I just don't get it. I mean, think about it. The, the addition to right field is, was awesome, right? It's incredible. I, I'm glad that our history and traditions on display. You got, what, two numbers retired? One of them is Ray Tanner, and the other is Earl Bass. Awesome. That's great. That's great. The bullpen is named the Michael Roth bullpen with a little plaque. Great. Outside of that, what do you have? I mean, they they did add something out in the right field beyond the right field fence that recognized, I think, great moments in Gamecocks baseball history. But to me, it's like the fact that you can walk into Founders Park and you'd never know Jackie Bradley Jr. played there. You'd never know Whit Merrifield played there. You'd never know Justin Smoke played there. You'd never know the list just goes on and on of all these great players. You know, you go to somewhere like Clemson, Doug Kingsmore Stadium. They they've got, I mean, do they've got posters hanging up of just every team that's gone to the college world series, right? They've got these banners in their concourse. Dude, I tell you which park I loved Alex Box Stadium. <clears throat> when I went to LSU in 2020, you go to their stadium on like the pillars or just the outside of the stadium, they've got plaques of every All American, every All American. Like LSU, and I have not been to every SEC campus admittedly, LSU in all sports, but at least I noticed in, in football and. Uh, and really basketball too, but football, baseball, and basketball, they do a great job of recognizing their greats. They've got statues. They've got row of champions. They've got plaques for every great player. They've got like a ring of honor outside of Alex Box with Skip Bertman and Shrine and a statue. I just feel like we could – is it one of those nitpicky things? I mean, sure, but it's the little things that matter, and I hate to miss out on a little thing that feels like a big thing to me, which is – which is recognizing your all-time greats. Like, we've just had, like, baseball is the sport where we have tradition to flex. We have tradition to flaunt. Like, I don't know why we don't do it. Yeah, there's a literally a Shaq statue at LSU, you know? Um, And I'm glad Asia Wilson got a statue. Why can't Alex English get one? The guy's in the NBA Hall of Fame. Why can't Sendarius Thornwell get one? I, I, You know what I'm saying? So... I understand. Like, is that the most pressing issue? Is that the more important? Is that the most important thing going on right now? Like, maybe not, but it just is something that I'd like to see more of. You know, I'd like to see more of. I mean, am I nitpicking? Maybe. Sure, you could say that. But I, I just, we've got all this great history and tradition, and, and and you know, I mean, heck, I I think football could do more. Absolutely, I think football could absolutely do more. Um, you got a George Rogers statue. I mean, that's great. He obviously deserves one. He won the freaking Heisman Trophy. But you know, um, and I love what they did adding like the retired numbers and all that. But I mean, how about a Ring of Honor? Like, how, where where is Connor Shaw's? Where, where's Connor Shaw's plaque? Where's Connor Shaw's Ring of Honor? Where's Connor Shaw's statue? I mean, I know they've got like the Wall of Captains, but like, come on, man! Come on, man! Come on! You know what I'm saying? Like, good God. I don't know. I, I, you know, anyways, that's that's my rant for the day, I guess. I don't know. It's it's a small thing, but it's it's just it's those small things that that make the difference, I feel like. I, I don't know. I don't know. But especially baseball. It's like you have the traditions of flaunt. You have it to flaunt. Why not? Why would you not flaunt it? <laughs> like we're proud of it. We're very but again, I, I think LSU, if you've never been, they do a great job. They do a great job recognizing their greats. Let's jump to the phone lines here. Call
2: from Hunter.
1: Hunter, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. What about you? I'm doing fantastic. Appreciate you asking. What's up?
2: So, um, so what's going on with this Jonathan Taylor guy? Is he uh, he committing anytime soon, or I guess like is he waiting on the
1: season? Jonathan Taylor. Um, I honestly, my friend,
2: Jonathan. Yeah, paler. Uh, I, I didn't know if
1: you he heard him. I got to be honest with you, my guy, I have no earthly idea. I don't know if that's ignorance on my yeah, part or if that's – but I, I have no clue. Yeah, he's a four-star athlete.
2: I, I'm surprised you didn't hear about him. He, he was all
1: over uh, social media. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know when uh, – I don't know when he'd be committing. I don't know when – yeah, I, I don't exactly
0: know.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, um, man. That's
1: your statue thing. Yeah, freaking Steven Garcia should serve that statue. Hey, I love it, man. We'll have to let him know. I'll have to text Garcia and let him know somebody thinks he ought to have a statue. But, no, I I think Garcia should definitely be recognized more. And and I understand – or I I think I understand why he's not. um, Just because of his – the way his career went. But still, I I don't think that should matter at all. I I really don't. So, it's – yeah, I I think Garcia definitely deserves to be recognized more.
2: Yeah, for sure. Especially after beating Alabama down that, that once, uh,
1: that, uh, years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he definitely deserved it. But that's all I did, man. I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you, Hunter. Always great chatting with you. I'll have to let Garcia know. Somebody thinks you deserve a statue, my guy. <laughs> he'll, he'll, he'll get a kick out of that. Uh, Guys, in case you missed it, the preseason coaches poll for the SEC baseball season has dropped. Uh, The Gamecocks have been picked to finish fourth in the SEC East by the league's coaches. So, um, LSU and Tennessee are picked as the division winners, which is not surprising. Uh, This basically just mirrors the D1 baseball picks. So, I mean... They're in a whole lot. Actually, I think that I think that Missouri was picked to finish sixth, Kentucky seventh by D1 Baseball, and they've got Kentucky sixth, Missouri seven. But anyways, this is how it shakes out uh, in the West: <clears throat> LSU, A and M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Bama, Auburn, Mississippi State. That's one through seven. And then in the East, you got Tennessee, Florida, Vandy, South Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky, Mizzou. Uh, LSU gets twelve votes to win the West. Texas A and M with one, Ole Miss with one. In the East, excuse me, Tennessee gets 12 votes. Florida gets two votes. The SEC champion votes. LSU got 11. Florida got one. Ole Miss got one. And A&M got one. None for Tennessee. How about that? Tennessee did not get an SEC champion vote. But you know, you know as well as I do, it's it's so funny, like, trying to predict baseball. It, it is. It is. Because it's it's – <laughs> it's a game where you have to expect the unexpected. You have to expect the the unlikely, right? So but that is your those are your picks. Those are your picks. So those are your picks. Um let's see. Taylor, Jonathan Taylor. I thought you said Jonathan Taylor. I thought he said Jonathan Taylor. I was like, who is this? Um, Jeff Gullich, hopefully they add that in the new stadium they're building, have the Cock Commander Center, LOL. Highlighting <laughs> the greatest ever played. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, I think it's just important to recognize your great players for sure. Uh, Ethan, crazy to think we could potentially have four first-round picks in this year in our four major sports. Cam Smith, GG Sanders, and Baldwin. That's a great point, Ethan. That is a great, great point. Yeah, I mean, that just goes to speak, man. You got some great athletes on campus, man. It's it's uh, It's wild, so. Colvin Hall, any all-conference all, all conference or all-Americans should get a plaque, as well as any school record holder. I agree 110%. I agree 110%. Um, Austin Gregory, when the Gamecocks win their first SEC title, does that warrant a statue for Beamer or possibly the quarterback who let us there? Genuinely curious. Uh, yes. I, I think. Listen, I, I think if I, – I feel like this is a no-duh thing, but if Shane Beamer leads South Carolina to an SEC championship, he's the greatest coach ever coached here. I mean, he did something not even Steve Spurrier could do. That, to me, that, to me, is, is, that speaks for itself, right? It really does. So, uh, Coleman Hall says, anybody else find it hard to give a darn about regular season baseball? In my honest opinion, who cares if you're SEC whatever, blah, blah, champion, if you don't even go to Omaha or win anything, when you're there. I mean, Coleman, I, I, I will say this. I mean, listen, it's like when I was talking to Mark Ryan yesterday, and I'm, like, selling him on college baseball, I, I I understand that baseball is not the most like if you don't really love the ins and outs and the nuances of the game it's it's not the easiest game to just gravitate towards and because there's a lot of games and it become it can become sort of monotonous if you will um, you know so I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say oh you're you're so wrong like this is but I will say you know. Having that feeling about non-conference baseball, sure. I get what you're saying, that Coleman, in the sense of, like, you feel like the regular season doesn't really matter because you can be the last team in, like Ole Miss, and win it all, or you can be the greatest team ever, like Tennessee, and not even make it to Omaha. I mean, I I, I, I think that's what makes it really intriguing, though. I think that's what makes it a lot of fun. Um, I mean, you could argue the college baseball postseason is is right up there with, like, the best postseason in sport. Um it's the drama, you know. The, the regional format is incredible. Um, you know, I, I I will say though, Coleman. Again, to your point, it it devalues like winning the SEC in the regular season, winning the conference tournament, even right. Like it's it's all about just getting to the postseason. That's all it's about. It's all about get, I mean, and and I love Dimitri and Ben of eleven point seven. They've got you know their hot cold hot theory. I mean, and that's and it's true. It's true. Like last year. And I know that, that my guy Dalton and Brendan and those guys, the, the, the ultimate Tennessee haters, they, they don't like hearing this or that they'll clap back at this. And that's totally fine, right? Tennessee deserves it all. But Tennessee was the best team in college baseball last year. Like, it's not even remotely close. They were the best team in college baseball. But as I said last year, it's not about being the best team. It's about playing your best when it matters the most. And Tennessee did not. They were hot all year long. And then went ice cold in the postseason when it mattered. You know, I mean, look at South Carolina baseball in 2010, <clears throat> and this is taking nothing away, but it's just the reality of: was that team the best team in college baseball start to finish? No, no. I mean, look at the early season: lost two of three to East Carolina, lost two of three to Clemson. Sucks. That team was not the best team in college baseball, but they found their stride midseason. They got better as the season went on and they got hot at the perfect time, which was the postseason. right? They, they started playing their best baseball in the most critical moments. And that eventually led to a national championship. So, I mean, it's, that's, that's what it comes down to. I think though, Coleman, that unpredictability is what makes it a lot of fun. I get what you're saying though, that you're just like, you know, if you come from the school of thinking of football, where it's like you live and die with every single individual game and like Losing is just oh my, the worst thing ever, and 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 winning is, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I get where you're coming from, but honestly, Coleman, that's one of the reasons why I love baseball is that one loss doesn't ruin your season. Like w- losing a one series doesn't ruin your season. Um, but hey, listen, I'll tell you this, Coleman, you don't have to be a big fan of the regular season. As I've told you before, my my goal when it comes to Carolina baseball, and, and I absolutely love it. I'm a baseball guy but my goal is to provide in-depth coverage to where the diehard fan will find value in it while also providing entertainment to a level where the casual fan Coleman, where you don't need to watch every single regular season game. You, you, You don't need to, you know what I mean? Like that's my goal. That's really, truly my goal. It is right. It is. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun though. It's a lot of fun watching players evolve and watching teams evolve and, and, uh, yeah, Braddock makes a great point. It's, it's a lot like the Braves winning the World Series. I mean, they, they weren't the best team. And that's why normally in the MLB, that's why the team normally with the highest payroll and, and the most, quote-unquote, talented team, they don't win it all. They just don't win it all. Because it's hard. It, it's, it's hard to sustain. Baseball is such a hard game. I mean, it's hard to go wire-to-wire, wire, dude. It's, it's really hard. You realize the number one seed – and the College World Series has never ha- hasn't won it all since 1999. Like, it's just hard, dude. It's just really, really hard. So, <clears throat> I mean, I mean, baseball is already a hard game without immense pressure. And then you add immense pressure; it's insanely hard. It's an insanely hard game, right? I mean, that's that's why that's what makes and why people really need to think about what South Carolina did in 10 and 11, and then even 12. I I mean, it's special, man. (laughs) Like, what they did is special. It's special. You know what I mean? It's really, really special. And it'll never, I mean, that record, what, 22 straight postseason? That'll never be touched. It'll never be touched. Nobody. What Carolina baseball did is just unbelievable almost. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable the way they won. Like, we just, we knew in the postseason, we were winning. That's it. We were winning. That's it. That's it. We were winning. We were, we find a way. This shirt, win anyway. That's it. That's Carolina baseball. Just win anyway. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, Coleman. I mean, listen, I, I totally get it. I mean, Coleman, I'll, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm honest with you guys. I'm transparent. What I watch. Every single regular season game, if my business didn't revolve around it, I, probably not. I, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, would I? Would I be? Would I be as invested in South Carolina Davidson on a Tuesday night as I am right now? Probably not. And that's okay. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, it's, you know, you know, I get it. I get it. You know what I mean? I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. So. Uh, Austin, Gregory, we're pushing hard to land Dylan Stewart. Yeah, Dylan Stewart, DMV to South Carolina Trail continues. We're just, we're crushing. We're crushing the DMV. We we just, we own the DMV. We own the DMV at this point. I don't know. We absolutely own the DMV. What a great weekend of sports, by the way, guys. What a great weekend of sports. We've got, (laughs) should I throw South Carolina basketball in there? (laughs) Oh, my God. <laughs> I will. South gonna Ole Miss Saturday. Huge game. Huge opportunity for the Gamecocks to get a dub. So, you've got that on Saturday. We've got Super Bowl Sunday. We've got the Waste Management Open out there in Arizona starting today. It's a great sports weekend. It is. It's a great, great sports weekend. Baseball around the corner. Love it. Yes, somebody asked the schedule is – the schedule is set um, for opening weekend. Travis Allen, what time is first pitch? I think it's four. on. It's it's definitely four on opening day. And then I think it's 1.30 and 1, if I recall correctly. Something like that. I have to pull it up. Um, let's see. The baseball schedule for next weekend. Yeah, four. Okay, excuse me. Friday at 4 o'clock, Saturday at 2 Sunday at 1.30. So, yeah, a bunch of afternoon first pitches. And guys, of course, as you probably know already, they <clears throat> they do those 4 o'clock first pitches on the Fridays early in the season and 4 o'clock in the midweeks because of, you know, earlier in the season it's colder. So, they want to beat the cold weather. So, um, yeah, <clears throat> they want to beat that cold weather. South Carolina will start those later games. Tuesday, March the 7th, you'll take on Citadel at 7. You've also got that Friday game at sucks at 6, but that Citadel game's at 7. Uh, I'm really excited, by the way. Excuse me. And this is something that left us after COVID. But it's returning this year, uh, early in the season, at least before SEC play, back-to-back midweeks. Tuesday, Wednesday, midweeks. That used to be a thing. That was a very common thing. And uh, after COVID, it went away. But – Yeah, back to back midweeks. I'm really excited for that. More baseball. That's what it feels like. More baseball. Yep, more baseball. So, going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Cade, what's going on? Appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, it's weird. Maryland is becoming like a team that we are rivals with because we just, they hate us because we're taking all their best players. (laughs) Taking all their best players, so. Indeed. Guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Hey, let's go ahead and jump into our first break. Of course, we got J.C. Sherbert coming up at 115. So on the other side, let's get them in. Your questions, your comments, your calls, and more. You're tuned in
2: to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking the questions, comments, calls.
1: 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377 here on this Thursday, February the 9th, 2023. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you guys have had a fantastic week. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Ryan Dean, Chris, how do you think all the transfers will do in baseball for us? <laughs> Hopefully really well, Brian. I mean, that's, that's you know, I am, I've said it many times. I'm, I'm optimistic about this team. And we talked about that on uh, Inside the Gamecocks, which, again, I really appreciate JB bringing up baseball. I can tell JB's a big-time baseball guy. Um, I, I mean, you look at the transfers you brought in. Like, we talked outfielders today. Caleb Denny going to be one of the leaders out there. Hit 11 homers last year for Oral Roberts. Hit, like, 331 for them uh, a season ago so he should be a solid addition. Dylan Brewer, who was, you know, a low 200s hitter, but you hope if he can live up to his hype, you know, if he can live up to his hype, he could be a productive guy for you. You know, you, but you look at all of the transfers. I mean, they've all got hella upside. They've all got potential. I mean, I just think that's one of the biggest questions, though, Brian, is that we, we've seen this movie before and the ship still sinks. And I'm not trying to go into the season with pessimism or, you know, a woe is me mentality. I'm not. Like, I, I have high expectations, number one. I've got high hopes, number two. But it's hard not to be somewhat skeptical when we've literally seen this before. I mean, I think Brant Belk last year is truly the one exception when it comes to transfers panning out for the Guardcocks, right? I mean, Brant Belk was your leading hitter a season ago, but, I mean, we've seen guys time after time come in from Virginia Tech, UCF, other schools, like the list goes on and on and on of guys who have come here, and they just did not live up to the hype. They didn't live up to the hoopla. So, you know, a lot of our success offensively is going to come down to what do these transfer additions do? Because it's it's obvious, and Mark Kingston's even mentioned it, you know, they followed Jim Schlossnagel's model. They followed Schlossnagel's model at Texas A&M last year, which is beefing up your roster and specifically beefing up your lineup with transfer portal guys. So those guys have got to pan out. Those guys have to pan out. You think of the Jacob Comptons, the Gavin Cassises, the, the Caleb Denny's, right? Those guys have got to live up. The Will McGillis's, those guys have got to live up to the hype. If this offense is going to reach its full potential, those guys have got to live up to the hype. You know, I, I just – here's what scares me, too. Here's what scares me, Brian Dean. And as you notice, right, I mean, it's it's a storyline. Mark Kingston's job security, Mark Kingston's job, it's a storyline. You, you You'd be – you're ignoring the obvious if you cannot acknowledge that this is a massive season for Mark Kingston's future in Columbia. This season's going to define whether he is his entire tenure, right? It's make or break. It is. It is. Here's what scares me. Here's what scares me. South Carolina adopted the Texas AM school of thinking when it comes to building out their roster. Great. That's awesome. Cool. Worked well for the Aggies. Jim Schlossnagel. The head coach at A&M is a great coach. He's a great coach. Had hella success at TCU. Not surprising. I bet he's going to have a great career at Texas A&M. Mark Kingston, the jury's still out. That's being as kind as I can possibly be. I just don't know that Mark Kingston's Jim Slosnagel. I don't think he is. So, you know, it's, uh, again, man, It's 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 a pivotal year. We all know. It all comes down to offense. I, I just, I see no, you know, that you're going to have the pitching. I mean, you're going to have the pitching, man. That puts even more pressure on the lineup because you have the pitching. You know you have the pitching. You know you've got big-time arms, right? It'll simply just come down to do you swing it. If you swing it, hey, sky's the limit for this group. I I, I don't know that, you know, what's the ceiling? I was thinking about this this morning. What's the ceiling for this team, Right. Is, is saying that this team potentially, if it all clicks, go, could go to Omaha. Is that is that is that overly aggressive? I, I don't know. I You know, I think this is a team that has a pitching staff that's built for Omaha. It's got a pitching staff that's built for a run like that. Are the sticks there, though? Realistically, are the sticks there? I just think what's scary is that you're asking Carolina Baseball— to to do something they've practically never done under Mark Kingston. That's it. That's it. We've just never done it, you know? We've never done it. So. Anyways, guys, let's see. Austin Greer says, ceiling is sixth, seventh in the SEC. I, you know, I, I don't know that's the ceiling. I mean, it's, I, if that's your take, that's fair. If that's your take, that's fine. What's funny, Austin Greer, is sixth or seventh in the SEC. You might still be a top 15 ball club. Like, that's, that's how good. I mean, you know, that. that's how good the league is. That's how good the league is, truly. So, um, Brian Dean, Ole Miss won it all with big arms and playing small ball, and we took two of three from them last season. I mean, yeah, you know, Brian, Brian, that that's the beauty of it, and that's one of the things I will say that that fires me up so much for county baseball is it's 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 of the men's sports. It is the one where I can realistically go into a season and say, you know what, if if these guys live up to the potential and if things break right, we can win a national championship. Right? It's, it's not like football where you go into the season and realistically, six to eight teams, and that may be even being generous, four to six probably really, have a realistic shot to win it all. Everybody else is playing for a nice bowl game. That's it. That's it. In baseball, it is not that way. Everybody's got a shot. You know what I mean? It could be your year. It could be your year. It could be your year. So, anyways, it, it's it's the one sport where I really go into a season and feel like, man, we could do it. We could win it all, especially when Carolina baseball and we get to the postseason. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's our time. I mean, we 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 live for the postseason. We live for the postseason. Let's jump to the phone lines here. Call from
0: awesome.
3: Robbie Davis, the Hall of
1: Famer. Robbie Davis, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you doing on this uh, Thursday? I'm doing well, my friend. Do you remember when you used to call in and say you were Kirk Herbstreit? What a time that was! What a time! Yeah,
3: but yeah, but now I decided that, I'm like, what the hey?
1: Now I'm going to be a hall. I'm a hall of famer. So I respect it. Right Listen, here. I respect it, man. You got to keep the tagline fresh. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I'm doing well though. By the <laughs> way, I appreciate you, my guy. What's up?
3: Um. I'm not really – like you just said, right? I, I mean, I, I, I know I'm like beating a dead horse with saying this. But the main issue that we're going to be thinking about going into this, going into next week, okay, is are we going to be able to hit the ball? We've never really had problems with pitching, really, as far as I know, for as long as I've kept up with baseball, which is only from like – 2010, all the way up to now. So I've only really gotten really into college baseball within like the last 12 years because of the two national titles. I'm not really concerned about pitching really because we've had for as long as I can remember, we've had great pitching and we've also had timely hitting. But in the in the very recent past, we have not had very good timely hitting. Whenever we've got guys on second or third, or even on first for that matter, we haven't really had since Kingston's been the head guy. Have not had games where we just were hitting the hitting the ball consistently and and hitting it where they weren't. Which, of course, hitting it where they ain't is what you want to do the runner, and we have not been doing that at, on a consistent basis with Kingston as the head man.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all about finding consistency offensively, Robbie. We do that. We got a great shot. This is a team that's, I, I think, loaded with talent, and I've said it many times. I'll mm-hmm. say it again. If they don't uh-huh. win this year, it's, it's not due to a lack of talent, in my opinion. Right. Sometimes it ain't the car, it's the driver. That's a fact.
3: That is a fact indeed. So, I mean, we, we just – and and one thing that I love about college, about baseball, right, is if you lose Friday, right, if you lose on a Friday or even – some like sometimes even as the season goes on, they have the series starts on a Thursday. So, sometimes if you lose on a Friday or a Thursday, you still have a shot at winning the series. Friday and Saturday or, or Saturday and Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. But with any other sport, if you lose, there's no other chance to really, I guess,
2: mm-hmm.
3: come back and do better, I guess you could say, yeah. or what have you. I'm not really sure exactly how to word that. I'm, where well, no, I mean, it, baseball baseball's is a
1: game where you, you have to operate in that manner because the game – You know, Mm -hmm. if you listen to Kyle Peterson, our our conversation with him, he kind of touched on this. The game, there's so many – how can I phrase this? There's just so many random outcomes that can occur. There's so many different random Mm -hmm. variations that, like, over time the numbers don't lie. But in a one-game sample size, they absolutely can. So you need so many games to determine who the best team is, and you need series to determine who the best team is because, you know, there there are so many different outcomes that can occur – you know, so many, so many different right. variations of the numbers that can take place. So, um, no, I mean, it's, it's, right. you know, you have to have it that way, but it does, it does separate it from the other sports where it's, yeah. you know, it's not just like a do or die one game. So, um, yeah, yeah.
3: But I'm, I'm really excited. I'm hoping I'm able to go to either the baseball game against Charlotte or the one of the game, the game against Tennessee. That's the day after my birthday. They got two games, ones before and ones like the day after. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to go to one of those two. So, but I'm pretty sure I'll go to more than just one of those two. Cause uh, I talked to uh, David Garrick a couple of weeks ago, and I told him like if he plans on going, just I mean, if he wants a buddy to go with him, I'm all gung ho and ready to go. I'll even I even told him I'd pay for gas. <laughs> so Why not? I mean, if he's willing to, you know, meet meet somewhere, then, yeah, I'll put gas in his car. Shoot, I'll probably even pay for his food. I don't care.
1: <laughs> I love it, Robbie. Get, so. in, get in some Zaxby's. Hey, we had somebody, you know, we were talking. I'm sure you heard we were talking about statues and, and players getting recognized as statues. Uh, Bruin Nation wants to know, is Zaxby's building a statue of Robbie in Roebuck?
3: Uh no, but if that was to ever happen, I'd probably have a heart attack and go meet Jesus pretty early. I'm just saying,
1: <laughs> I'd probably what, have a heart attack. If if they <laughs> were to build, if they were to build a statue of you, what would you be doing in the statue? Do you know, but what do you, what do you think?
3: Uh, I would say, i I don't know, holding a rag, wiping down a towel. I don't, or wiping down, holding a rag, wiping down a table, or or filling up a thing of. A big thing of sweet tea or something i don't know i have no i have no idea but um i love that i love that that. eating a 10 something like that eating 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 eating, uh, boneless wings and things
1: there you go yep that's it (laughs) eating a boneless wings and things
3: yes absolutely for sure and as all and like i said if I'm ever in town for for longer than a weekend, mm-hmm. I will hook you up with some Zaxby's. I promise.
1: I appreciate sure. that, Robbie. I appreciate that.
3: <laughs> but uh, and 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 of course, right? Like you said, right? This is basically a make or break. Like you've said in the past, this year right here is basically a make or break season for for Kingston. I'm pretty sure he was told months ago, a couple months ago, if you don't do this, this, or this, you're done. Because, there, and, and, you, and, and, there, and like you said before I called, there is a standard when it comes to stop Carolina baseball. When it comes to stop women's, women's basketball, there is a standard. When it comes to football, there's kind of a standard. Seven or get 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 six or seven wins, right? But with base and but with with baseball, the standard is get to Omaha, or the season is a failure. Am I right or am I wrong? Uh, you're right. You're right. Because of the history and the players that we have had that got us to that point, getting to Omaha is the only option. Hosting a regional or hosting a super regional is the only option. Traveling for a regional or traveling for a super, not an option. You need to get to the point where we are hosting supers and hosting regionals instead of traveling for those. Because I feel like if you're hosting a regional, it's a it's a little easier knowing
1: you're playing in front of your home crowd. Yeah, and you're one of the 16 best teams in college baseball if you do that. So yeah, that's, that's a you had a really exactly. you had a pretty damn good year if you're hosting a regional. Yeah, that's that's pretty you you yeah. yeah you're pretty solid. You're pretty solid for sure.
3: But uh, I'm gonna go ahead and get off of here. My brother just tried to call me. He's picking me up today, so I'm gonna call him back.
1: You do that, uh, Robbie. I appreciate you, my guy. It's always a pleasure to chat with you.
3: No problem. And you have a safe trip to go skiing.
1: Thank you, sir. Or whatever it is you're going to be doing yeah. in the snow. Yeah, I appreciate that.
3: <laughs> so uh, yeah, and I'll talk to you maybe tomorrow. I don't know yet. It depends.
1: Sounds good, depends my friend. On
3: what I got going on tomorrow. I got you, but, Robbie. Uh, have a great rest of y'all's day, rest mm. of your day, and. uh as always, leave the dumb stuff
1: to me. Go
3: Gamecocks, and to hell with Clemson.
1: You're the man, Robbie. I appreciate you.
3: You
1: too, buddy. Yeah, All right, take Bye-bye. care. You know, it, I was just thinking, it is so impressive to think like Robbie calls in every day. Think about that. Like pretty much every when he doesn't call in, it's weird. It's weird when he doesn't call in. Just really impressive, Brian Dean. Uh, Chris, are you doing a Super Bowl party? I am not. I will actually be on the road going out of town Sunday. So, we'll be there in plenty of time for the Super Bowl, but I will be out of town for the Super Bowl. So, we'll probably just have a low-key night watching the game at the Airbnb. I mean, we'll have it on. You know what I mean? So, um, Austin Greer says, we haven't won anything in 10 years. Standards change. Well, Austin, I think that's a little unfair, also because, you know, we've been in a we've been in the supers a couple. I mean, we haven't been in Omaha since 2012, but been in the supers more than a couple of times. Um, and I just, you know, I don't know, Austin. I, I would just completely disagree with you. I think that you, when you when I think of Carolina baseball, I still think of this program as being a top 10 national program. I still think of this as an elite program. I, I don't think there's an excuse of why. This program should not be that, and I mean, what 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 excuse can you give me? I mean, there there is none. There there is none. I mean, we talked about this today with Dimitri Cordis of eleven point seven. I mean, there, there's 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 no reason why this program should not win and win at a high level. You have everything. You have literally everything. So I I think my expectations are still very high, and um. That's standard, I think, should say there. I mean, when you win back-to-back national championships and go to three straight, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. I know it was a decade, but it wasn't that long ago. And, uh, I mean, again, you went to a Super in, I believe, 13, 14, I think 16 you were in the Supers. I mean, 18, you were a game away from Omaha in the Supers. Like, you've been to a pretty good number. Yeah, I mean, well, Austin, okay, yeah. To to, to Robbie's comment that – Anything less than Omaha is a failure. Yeah, you, you can't view it that way, Austin, because going to Omaha is so difficult. It's so I, – I, if, if that's your view on it, I agree with you. You're setting yourself up for disappointment because it's so difficult. And, and listen, it's gotten more competitive. I mean, nobody wants to hear that, but it's gotten more competitive. It's harder now to get to Omaha than it's ever been because more teams – I think more teams care – more teams care about college baseball, which is a great thing. For those of us that love college baseball, it's a great thing. But it makes it more difficult, right? I mean, dude, a decade ago, Tennessee was a, was a joke. Tennessee was a kick-in series. Tennessee was, a, was, a, was an easy dub, right? It was an easy dub. So, things have most, most certainly
2: changed. Most certainly changed. Anyways, 843790337. But guys, we are going to get JC Sherbert
1: on the show uh, at 1 15. 15, we'll have JC Sherbert on the show. mm
2: mm Again, guys, in case you missed it, spring tour dates
1: are officially locked in with our friends at Carolina Ale House. I will have the graphic dropping later today. Really, really excited for that. You guys can go ahead and put it on your calendars. I'm really looking forward to it. Going to be a blast. We will start March the 23rd. That'll be our first tour date. And it will run all the way until April the 27th. So going to be a good time going to be a good time should be a beautiful it's a beautiful time of year really looking forward to it really really looking forward to it so uh anyways guys 8437903377 our good friends over at pick 6 previews get this consecutive top 10 recruiting classes of course this is football consecutive top 10 recruiting classes Alabama 16 straight that is crazy Georgia in second at 10 straight After that, it's Ohio State with four in a row, Notre Dame three, Oklahoma two, and Texas. Two. Again, consecutive top ten recruiting classes. That's, I mean, dude, it's just the proof's in the pudding. I mean, it really, truly is the proof's in the pudding. There's a reason Alabama and Georgia are elite. There you go. They they just recruit better than everybody, you know? That's that's it. 16 consecutive, man. That's... That's wild. I mean, that that's just that's just wild, dude. That's wild. That's wild. Madison, I agree. Omaha's the goal. Yeah. It's and Lynn Turner to your point. It's not fair to expect it every year, but it should be the goal every year. I would agree. I would agree. Absolutely. K Sean, uh, I think we could have three, five stars. Yeah. I, I don't set a limit on Beamer, man. Why not? Hey, sky's the limit. Guys, a limit for sure. Guys, we're going to jump into a break on the other side. We got JC Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks. He will join us. Looking forward to our conversation with him, more of your questions,
2: comments, calls, and our full combo with JC on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Appreciate you all tuning in
1: again this Thursday, February the 9th, 2023. Every single Thursday, he joins us, J.C. Sherbert, inside the Gamecocks, and really excited to chat with J.C. because we did not have him on last week. So, again, we've got a lot to catch up on, a lot to get into. And, again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Truly appreciate the love and the support. With that being said, let's go ahead, get him in here, J.C. Sherbert. I'm inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. JC, what's going on, my friend? How are you? And I'll also say thank you so much for having me on your airwaves this morning. It was an absolute pleasure. But uh, great to see you, my friend. What's going on?
4: Absolutely. These these Thursdays are a lot of fun, Chris. Good to be with you today. And uh, certainly uh, lots to talk about this week. Um, uh, Circumstances were not good last week, but it was in some strange way good to get back to South Carolina for a little bit uh albeit for a funeral, but, uh, certainly, uh, uh thank you for being appreciated or, I mean, sorry, understanding about that. And, uh, certainly glad to be back, uh, back here with you.
1: Yeah, no JC, I appreciate you, man. I'm glad everything's good on the home front. Uh, with that being said, you know, I, I know it's kind of yesterday's news, if you will, but we really didn't get a chance to touch on it with you. And I think now it's interesting now that the dust is settled, right? We can really look back because Nicholas Harbor is a Gamecock. It's official. Um, your just overall thoughts on what took place last week. You know, he chooses South Carolina, but the events leading up to it, you know, I thought it was, I thought JC, what was so interesting was Shane Beamer providing perspective in regards to, you know, the audio message he received at two 57 in the morning or something like that. And just the drama that really surrounded, you know, Nicholas Harbor's eventual signing and his commitment to South Carolina and, you know, we, we saw all the crystal balls and the percentages and they were fluctuating and, and Oregon was making a push and Carolina was responding. And, I mean, it really did feel like it came down to the wire. But your just overall thoughts on the entire saga that led up to Nicholas Harbour choosing the Gamecocks and, and just overall thought on the impact of the signing as well.
4: Yeah, I thought Shane Beamer described it perfectly, I kind of gave him a play-by-play play there. I mean, that, that's what happened. And I think everybody, uh, including Shane, went to bed uh, pretty confident he'd be a Gamecock tonight. Before uh, our national guys at 24/7 Sports, Steve Wolflong, uh especially tracked it through the night. See, Oregon's on Pacific time, you know, so 2:57 Eastern. It's probably what 11:57 their time. So they they talked well into the night, and that's uh that's when the call came in. Uh, I think he slept on it. Uh, my understanding is his mom was not fired up about going that far away from home. Um, NIL did play a factor in it, uh, and, and there's some talk out there that, that oh, I don't know, it ended up being some kind of bidding war, and that, that's not, you know, coaches aren't dumb. You're you're not allowed to really do that, but you can. There's ways you can present opportunities to people. In other words, uh, South Carolina still, as far as just the, the general opportunity at NIL. Hard to touch Nike in Oregon, especially for a track athlete. Uh, but you know, I always say recruiting decisions are based on comfort level, and, and so uh, the question becomes: Would the, the potential to have that much money make you more comfortable in your environment, or do you just say, "Hey, look, I'm going to get paid anyway. I'm going to be in the NFL. I'm going to be an Olympic athlete. You know, this is all going to work out no matter where I'm at. I'm going to choose a college." And I think that was the, the the thing South Carolina really hammered home. You know, you're the most comfortable here. All your friends are here. Uh, you've spent all this time building relationships here. Uh, it's close to home. You know, D.C. is crawling with Gamecock alums and, and graduates, and, and there's a reason for that. It's right down 995. Uh, you know, and and I think that that swayed him back. Uh, and, and so, and I know you and I had texted a little bit about it while I was uh, during the day uh, on Wednesday and um, it wasn't looking good, wasn't looking good. It taught, said was told 5050 at best. And then progressively it went from 50 to what well hey, we're in the we're in the game now. We're in the game uh, to hey, it's looking good and finally, you know once he put on that hat, um, papers were done and signed. so uh, you can breathe a sigh of relief. Um, I think as it relates to this coming season, because sometimes five stars people get unrealistic expectations about year one, uh, you know, having done the rankings before, you know and, and i'm I'm getting kind of that's kind of becoming more and more in the rear view of my career these days, uh, but uh, you know thinking back on it, you know what we would do and what I still think the philosophy is it's it's a it's a it it's a terminal ranking as it relates to uh, and, and this is 24-7 sports and on three, and I think rivals. ESPN has a different philosophy, which, you know, is the reason there's composite. But it terminates the NFL draft. So, in other words, y- your guy could go through, your five-star could go through and do nothing for three years. Then he goes and blows up his senior year and gets drafted in the top ten. It's still a five-star. It's still He still met expectations, right? Uh, and so I think sometimes people are like, well, five-star should be a guy that impacts it right away. That, that's not always true. Football is very developmental. So, um, you know, I I think that the big news, though, as it relates to instant impact came when Shane Beamer said he's going to – confirmed he's going to play receiver. And and I think I've said it here and elsewhere. I I thought maybe that's where he should play. South Carolina's got, what, five or six new tight ends. You know, you're going to ask this kid to come in and block in the SEC, all that. Beamer's absolutely right, play him at receiver, Uh, because he also gives South Carolina something it does not have. Uh, in that receiving core, which is a big 6'5 guy uh, that can run. And, and, and you may say, well, J.C., nobody's got Nick Harbor. And, and nobody does athletically. But just in terms of body type, style, you know, he, he's receiver-wise. I know Curtis Fry compared him to Randy Moss. I go with T. Higgins, you know, a faster A.J. Green type. Uh, I don't know about the ball skills there. You know, A.J. Green was very elite. and just He just hung it up, by the way. Uh, ball skill wise, but as far as the body type, the type of receiver he can become, South Carolina does not have uh, a lot of those guys. I mean, you got Kyle Horton and Omega Blake that are kind of taller. Uh, obviously, Xavier Leggett's a big-bodied dude, but uh, you know he's about six two, six two and a half. This guy's towering, and he can fly. So, you know, I, I think as far as first-year expectations go, and how he can impact immediately that, that that's a game changer for me personally, as far as my evaluation of him goes and expectations is that he's going to be in a position next year uh, where he can step right in and contribute.
1: Yeah. I think that was definitely JC music to all of our ears. when we heard that he's going to play the receiver position and Beamer confirming, Hey, he's not a guy that, you know, basically made the point he's not a guy you're going to get the most value out of him with his hand in the dirt, right? He needs to be on the outside making plays and, Again, it was just great to hear that. And I ask you this, because you lead me to this now. Um, you know, I my way too early predictions, I picked nine and three. I wasn't even factoring in Nick Harbour. Uh, d- does his addition now, does does that radically change or change at all your your expectations or just kind of thoughts on the 2023 season? I mean, do you think a player of the caliber of Nick Harbour, again, you don't want to set unfair and unrealistic Expectations, but I mean, I think realistically, he's a guy that could factor in that wide receiver room pretty darn early because you just don't get his combination of size and speed, right? So, I mean, do you think he's worth a win? I mean, is he is he that valuable of a get for South Carolina?
4: You, you know, he could be. Uh,
1: you know, I, I
4: I think a lot of times too with guys like this that are athletes and you know they're not. And you get this uh, coming out of the D.C. area sometimes, um, you know, the the whole mid-Atlantic region, real raw guys, football player-wise. It's not like a Texas where, you know, you get a very polished receiver or a polished quarterback or or this, that, and the other. Um, But, you know, Aurelius Ben was a pretty good receiver from the get-go for Illinois, and uh, he was from D.C. Uh, So, you know, there is precedent there. And in checking with people that have scouted him in person at the Under Armour game that I trust, there there really wasn't a a, a red flag as far as his hands go. Uh, he dropped some, but then they kind of talked to and He wasn't really fighting the ball or anything. He's like, you know, at, at these all-star game settings, you're getting used to another quarterback. Uh, and you you go out there, first practice, you had not you hadn't thrown with the guy at all, and everybody's sitting there evaluating you. Um, I made this mistake when I was evaluating because Jameis Winston could not hit the broadside of a barn in underarm practice that, that year. And uh, he made a huge mistake, didn't rank him a five-star because of it. That was dumb. That was a really dumb-ass thing for me to do. But, uh, you know, <laughs> looking back on it. But, uh, you know, it, so you really have to be careful with, with that, with saying this guy doesn't have hands or making these, you know, declarations. And, and
2: nobody I trust said that. Um, I also think this, if there is something,
1: I think we just lost JC. That wasn't me either. We'll see if we can get him back. Here we go. Okay.
4: Seeing drops in 2019, uh, uh, Xavier Leggett, you know, certainly got better as this year went on, coming up and getting it and holding on to the ball. I know he had some drops too. Uh, see so you think about that? and Brown caught it a whole lot better. Uh, as time went on, um, you know, Justin's pretty good uh, at, at developing the hands part of it. So, uh, you know, I, I think given the fact that this guy isn't stone hands, uh, and that there's no red flags there, it, it's just maybe a matter of fine-tuning it, and then Justin step. I, I think they can get him ready, Chris. And, you know, once he kind of learns to time his jumps and, you know, use his body and, 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 and be physical on top of being fast, which he's certainly big enough, strong enough to do that, you know, at receiver specifically, wow, you know, the sky the is the limit. And you, you said, could he be worth a win? Yeah, I mean, if he's one of the starting receivers on this team and you start talking about him and Juice Wells and Amarian Brown and Xavier Leggett and Eddie and Lewis and, you know, name your guys, Xavier Short, Landon Sampson, Tyler Court, whoever, Omega Blake, you know, you start talking about those types of guys. I mean, that—that's a lot of explosiveness uh, on the field. You know, particularly when you kind of focus on, you know, who who what people may think will be the top three, which would be Leggett, uh, Juice, and um, and Harbor. So, uh, and then at tight end, you got Trey Knox and Joshua Simon. I mean, you know, Spencer Rattler's going to have a lot of weapons to throw to next year, uh, and Harbor is just kind of like this freak that. Uh, you know, is the type of guy, you know, because once he gets, you're not going to catch him once he gets in the open field. Uh, and so that's seven, you know, six, we won't count our chickens there. That's six. If he gets behind you and that certainly can make a difference in, you know, many of these tight games that you're ultimately going to play in the SEC.
1: And, J.C., what makes me so giddy about the Nicholas Harbor pickup? Obviously, yes, his career at South Carolina, what he's going to do on the field, but also just the future and what it means for changing, you know, ultimately changing the perception of South Carolina football and picking up guys like this. It, it does inevitably ch- change the way future prospects and just other people look at the Gamecocks and look at your program. And, you know, within the last week, right, we saw Mazeo Bennett pick South Carolina. I believe believe that, that was last Friday that took place. South Carolina is now five for five on four stars in their 2024 class. I think right now they sit in the top five nationally. Of course, we got a long way to go in regards to the 2024 class and recruiting. But your just overall thoughts on the impact the Harbor signing can have on your program for future classes to come and the future as a whole?
4: Well, I I think South Carolina is really on to something in, in, in what's called the DMV. Uh, it's DC, Maryland, Northern Virginia. Uh, the Virginia part of it obviously needs to come on a little bit. I think, you know, Vershawn Lee and Jakeye Moore are still at Carolina, but they're both Northern Virginia guys. That was the previous staff. Wolford went up there and got some guys. But, you know, you look at it, you know, people talk a lot about the state of North Carolina and how important it is for the Gamecocks to recruit up there. And the reason for that is, you know, you're not going into North Carolina necessarily and battling. Uh, the University of Georgia or Ohio State, uh, name your top talent-producing state. You know, UNC and NC State are what they are, and with it being right there, you know, there's SEC football right down the road you can sell. Uh, And I've always had a hard and strong theory that for Carolina roster-wise to get to where it needs to be, they dominate the Carolinas as a whole. If you you combine the number of, um, I guess, NFL players that North and South Carolina both have produced, uh, the numbers are similar to, to Georgia or Ohio or, or name your top talent producing state. Um, and so I've always kind of thought that was important. South Carolina obviously has not fared all that well in the state of North Carolina in, in recent cycles. But I think what you have to do is instead of sitting around and making excuses and crying in your Cheerios and, and watching Scooby Doo, you know, you need to like uh, find us find another place to go get players because. It doesn't really matter where they come from at the end of the day as long as you're getting them. it's so a South Carolina out of the D.C., Maryland area, signs a five-star, two four-stars, and a high three. All of them are really talented ball players. So that's four guys, Chris. I, I don't know that if South Carolina was firmly entrenched in the state of North Carolina that they would get this type of quality. Um, so it's very encouraging as far as you – know, the big question always is, all right, so you share your state with Clemson you got Georgia right over there. you got Matt Brown in North Carolina. You do recruit Florida, but it's rare you meet the big Florida schools. You know, Alabama and Auburn are going to sign Alabama. So where do you go get players if you're South Carolina? It's not for South Carolina. Well, I think those answers are starting to come, and I think that um, you can put a championship-level roster together, you know, by doing this. And I think when we look at 2024, Carolina is creeping back in uh, with some of the elite North Carolina kids. You combine that with the DMV, uh, and then you combine that with uh, what they're doing in Georgia with that tier of players that Auburn built a championship program recruiting. Uh, they're doing well in Florida, getting speed and all that, working all the way up the East East Coast, and then spot spotting guys from you know whether it's it's the portal or just a guy like Stone Blanton from Mississippi you go and get uh, spot recruiting uh, elsewhere. Texas, even you know they signed another Texas guy to Reed McKeska. so. You start to kind of look well, where South Carolina could get all this talent that they need because there's not enough in the state. And it starts to dawn on you that, hey, you know, you add DC, Maryland, and you kind of can creep back into North Carolina for a handful, seven, eight high blue chip guys from out of your state. And right now, Carolina's dominating the state of South Carolina. That's 13, 14, 15 blue chippers a year. You're going to be able to compete in the SEC. And in some years when the talent in your areas is, you know, creeps up and and cycles up, you're going to be really good, you know, from a roster standpoint. So uh, I I think that's landing Nick Harbor legitimizes even more so that whole operation up in BC. And I know the Terps are mad about it, but, you know, all 15 of them. So, but uh, hey, that. Ask Larry Johnson, who's in Ohio, who used to be at Penn State, ask ask him about recruiting D.C. and Maryland. Penn State's been a living there over the years. So uh, I think it's very positive South Carolina is becoming a popular place for those kids to want to go play.
1: JC, let's move off of recruiting into the big news of this week, which was the uh, new project that South Carolina is embarking on. What was that on Tuesday? I think that was announced. Either way. Um, a big announcement. Not really a whole lot of detail, but it sounds like it's going to be a game changer for the University of South Carolina and the athletics facilities. All that land around Williams-Brice Stadium, Colonial Life Arena. I, I think some folks though are still a little bit confused in regards to, you know, what is coming around. I know Ray Tanner said it's going to be, you know, a game changer for fans to to want to stick around the stadium and, and kind of mention maybe shops, restaurants, you know, just entertainment, if you will, but. What can you tell us about the big project, just what you know at this point, and your overall impact you think it's going to have uh, you know, on the atmosphere, not just for the Gamecocks, but the city of Columbia as well?
4: Oh, yeah, I think it's huge. Here's the thing I want to I stress to people. Number one, uh, everybody was, you know, with all the talk about NIL, I think people were thinking it was going to be like this gigantic NIL game-changing thing. Uh, and and re- there's residual benefits for NIL, obviously, but it's not the focus was not NIL. Um, that's number one. Number two, you know, with the economy like it is, right, and with certain boondoggle type projects like in that have taken place uh, from USC, you know, th- there's automatically this bite back. Oh, <laughs> you know, and that's basically what I what, what I listened to that those words blah gaga blah, 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 when people talk about that because this is fundamentally different. Um, this is not ultimately going to be the University of South Carolina overextending itself borrowing a bunch of billions of dollars and having debt and going into debt to build uh, all these things this is this is going to be you know from what I hear a partnership that's going to actually not cost the university very much at all if anything uh, and then what you get in return on that is a massive amount of development and then athletics facilities upgrades that you otherwise would have had to go take a bond out or had to go have a special tax district or had to go do this that and the other um, that's not to mention that off the project the university is going to be getting a gig- an enormous uh, bunch of revenue you know people, People kind of wondered why Miami was able to take $8 million and go hire Mario Cristobal last year when they don't sell a lot of tickets and, and they, they're in the ACC and they're poor. Well, it's because Miami, uh, and this was a different type of business venture for them, but it filled the coffers down there. They basically bought a hospital system, right? And they started making bank, you know, as a school. And, and you know, South Carolina's got hospitals. Uh, South Carolina does not have oil fields. South Carolina does not have oil money, but one thing our state does well is hospitality and entertainment. You can ask people around the country about that. And um, I think we do it as well as anybody in the country. And I think that you you put those synergies in there and the ingenuity uh, as a people that we have in South Carolina uh, behind a massive amount of funds and vision and development and all that, and all funnels back to the university. It makes total sense. Um, I know some people are concerned about the possibility of Williams-Brice Stadium losing some seating, and and I'll tell you now, the ticket sold number. The athletic department's smart in this. They, uh, with the exception of the spring game last year, they 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 don't they'll they'll release a ticket sold number before they'll give you the the who went through the turnstiles. Um, And there's just not a need anymore with visiting crowds. I mean, Clemson and Georgia used to bring 15,000. Now, if they bring eight or nine, that's a good day. Uh, there's just not that need for that massive amount of seating and squeezing everybody in. What well, they, they are focused on is quality. It's the people are like, well, they're just going to price everybody out. I don't think so. I think this is actually going to you know, give you more value for what you pay for your ticket now uh, at Carolina. I think it's going to improve the home field advantage. Uh, I think the place will be louder because it'll be more full, and that, that's saying something. because It's already really loud. Um, uh, I, I, it's exciting, you know. And, and when people, and the other thing about it is because, and this is kind of the third or fourth thing that you know, our, our good friends that are the fans out there have been taking arrows out of their quiver and shooting at this. Uh, the, the third and, and fourth thing uh, about it is that you know, when you kind of consider the. Uh, The retail and and the condos and and things like that that will be going up around it, you know, there's not necessarily a way, given the massive amount of land South Carolina has, that any of Carolina's peer schools can compete. Because that's not like, oh, they won't get it done before somebody else has this idea. Well, where are they going to put it? You need to tell me, you, know, you Tuscaloosa, Auburn, Oxford start. They're all off the table. There's not the population to support something like this. Uh, the other similar sized cities in the SEC, Baton Rouge, uh, maybe, but LSU is kind of away from the city. Knoxville, there's no land there. Uh, Austin, Texas, no land at all. I mean, none. It would cost a billion dollars to build the ops center in Austin. Uh Lexington, Kentucky. Heck, I couldn't even find parking when I went to that game this year. So, you know, the similar size cities in our league aren't going to be able to do it. Clemson's not going to do it. You know, NC State, North Carolina. I mean, nobody really. You know, there may be some other schools. that will be able to pull something like this off. But South Carolina, compared to its peer schools, Chris, is uniquely positioned to make this a competitive advantage. You're like, well, how's this? How did bars and restaurants and condos feeding the football games? Well, revenue, and then facilities, upgrades, you don't have to go in debt to pay for it, which means you pay more and hire more staff. You can, you can uh, up coaches' salaries. You can have boosters, you know, more willing because they don't have to fund a project to fund NIL. Uh, it's all residual. And uh, I, I, I think this is a, a great idea. I think it's going to end up being a great project, and it's going to be a game changer. Uh, people that are kind of wondering – uh, why, why why, the hype over that? How does it affect me, me, me? You know, it, It'll affect winning. It, it, it's a trickle-down situation for sure. It'll affect winning. And, and that's not even to mention that when a recruit comes on campus, uh, goes to the stadium, and you're like, man, you got all this right here. Goodness gracious. It's going to be quite impressive. So I, I think that the project is, uh, you know, people will see as more details come out, I think. And I think it'll be massive. Uh, you know, in terms of excitement and stuff.
1: Yeah, JC, from what I've heard, you know, I love that South Carolina is thinking outside of the box, right? Because one of the biggest knocks I feel like on, or at least that rivals try to use is that, you know, you've got Williams-Brice Stadium that's out here just in the middle of, you know, open area. It's not an on-campus stadium. Like not having an on-campus stadium has been something that's been used as a negative against South Carolina and I mean you're never going to have an on-campus stadium unless you built a new stadium which is not going to happen most likely so instead of you know just dwelling on this negative I I love how they're they're turning it around into a positive and saying you know what we have a little bit more of a you know I don't know if this would exactly fit but like a it it feels like more of like South Carolina is more of like a professional sports town almost where it's like a professional stadium where you can build around it like you mentioned like all these other schools can't do that because if you have an on-campus stadium, it's literally surrounded by campus, and you're not gonna you're not gonna tear down campus to build things, right? So I, I do like that South Carolina is saying, you know what, we're gonna take what we have, and instead of dwelling on woe is me, we're not on campus, we're gonna actually use that to our advantage and provide an experience for not just Gamecocks fans, not just SEC fans, but just people in general. Provide you an experience you literally cannot get anywhere else. I, I think it's genius.
4: Sure, and, and and then there's a the financial aspect too, where the university's going to reap revenue benefits and rewards, right. and you know you sit around and wonder, you know, financially. And look, all the SEC athletic departments are relatively rich; it's not no, nobody's really hurting for anything.
1: Yeah. But then you kind of wonder they, 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 how Jay, I was going to. I was going to say, JC, the numbers were actually just released while we were on the show. Of uh, yeah. the yeah,
2: seven hundred
1: twenty-one point eight million dollars of total revenue was divided amongst the fourteen universities for the twenty-one twenty-two. Fiscal year. So, uh, that, yeah, I think they I think I Numbers, going up.
4: <laughs> yeah, that number's yeah. going up. Yeah,
1: numbers
4: going up. Yeah, yes. And so, yes. you know, you, you kind of look at it, and it's uh, – you know, they're all relatively rich, but, but then you look at an A&M or an Alabama or, in, you know, you Texas, for God's sake, is coming into the league. I mean, there's six times as many Texas fans uh, as any other school. You know, it's just that large. You know, everything's bigger. So, you start to kind of wonder, how do you compete financially? You know, because you do have to compete. Financially, because you, what you don't want to have happen is you know, you, you have a coach that's doing really well, and then I mean, and you've noticed this with Texas through the year, especially like in basketball and even in football. And yeah, Mac Brown's at North Carolina before he leaves Texas pretty good job, They're pretty good school. Um, Rick Barnes is at Clemson before he leaves Texas. Chris Beard, before he got fired, uh, was at Texas Tech and then state school that took him to the final four final game of the season. So, Texas. That's the reason people like to go to Texas, because of money. I mean, you, you, they just – they don't care. Yeah. And, and you have schools like them coming to the league, a ms in the league, Alabama, you know, certainly spends. Florida's got resources. Tennessee, large state, large fan base, lots of resources. So, so you kind of start to think, you know, the small state excuse does not fly when it comes to, like, recruiting and players and talent, in my opinion. But I think the, the small – a small state does equal a smaller fan base – you know everybody gives ten dollars and you got four million people give 10 on once to one school you got 40 million that obviously the math does not work in your favor um and there is no oil or anything like that so i i think that having this uh, this project from a revenue standpoint you know kind of you know helps carolina approach uh, in a unique manner and, and an outside the box manner you know some of these other schools revenue wise so i think that's a, and that's important. People might not like to hear about it, but that's important these days. Hmm.
1: JC, off of football and into basketball really quickly, um, your just overall thoughts on, you know, I, I'll say this, and again, we don't have to spend a ton of time talking court Cox because the season is what the season is, right? But I will say the last week or so has been the most intriguing week of this season when you factor in just everything that went down. With that. Number one, I think this team's playing better. Number two, the G.G. Jackson stuff, I mean, which thankfully is now kind of over and done with. Uh, but all in all, I think the biggest takeaway, this team is playing better, and you look at the upcoming schedule, Ole Miss. I say Vanderbilt, who literally just beat Tennessee last night. So all of a sudden, that looks like a little bit more of a difficult game, but you got them at home. Um, and then you take on LSU, three teams that are down there at the bottom with you. Um, you know, I, I – I, I think there could be some more wins on the horizon, but I guess I should more so just importantly ask you about, you know, the GG Jackson saga and your thoughts on, you know, Lamont Paris, I thought made a statement by benching him for the first couple of minutes. Um, just overall takeaways. Again, I know we haven't talked to you about it since it all took place thoughts on that whole saga. And again, now the dust has settled, it's sort of over and done with, but just, uh, a really interesting storyline, I guess you could say, to arise in the midst of this season.
4: Sure, yeah. I, I thought Lamont Paris did the right thing by not starting him. Um, kind of a, a, an immature decision, uh, you know, but kids these days, you know, they're going to – sometimes I think they don't understand, like, how many people actually view what they're saying. and almost get too comfortable with a, a large audience. Can't just say anything. I mean, especially when you're part of a team. That's a life lesson you have to learn. Uh, NBA, church league basketball. You know, fat man's lunch league. You know, you're on a team. You, you can't. You can't throw the. You gotta. You gotta put the team first in a team sport, which you know, college basketball still is. I think for right now, the NBA still is, but uh, it's. Uh, you know, so it was a mistake, and he owned up to it and apologized. Came back, I thought he had a fantastic game uh, against Missouri. Uh, Missouri's a good basketball team this year. Carolina fought, battled, and and did well. They're hitting three-pointers. I think that's going to kind of be what what we walk. you know, see this team play from now on this year. I think we're going to look at it and go, are they hitting threes or not hitting threes? And and if they are, they can stay in it. If they're not, uh, probably not. Uh, I think I think Gigi as a player certainly an interesting case study. I know he mentioned something about coming back. I can't see it uh, just because I still think he's projected as a first rounder. Uh, I think as a player he's got a little ways to go. Um, I mean he's six nine six ten and does not play the post. So that that and I know in the NBA these days you know everybody falls in love with the outside game and being a wing and all that at six eight six nine and he can't shoot, but. You know, there's some holes there. Uh, I have, like, Josh Gray. And, and uh, I've been a Josh Gray guy. Uh, I think at times last year, he just didn't know what he was doing. And then if you don't know what you're doing and you're on the court and Frank Martin's your coach, Frank Martin's probably going to make you feel like you need to learn, you know, pretty quick. Uh, I never understood. I I think on the show I called it verdonculus because he was playing behind Verdunk, right? Uh And now that he's playing more, Josh is coming on, so... And that's a guy that maybe can give you hope for next year. He's seven foot. He's 270 pounds. He's athletic. Um, you know, he keeps moving forward and, you know, you're going to have something there. But, uh, you know, as far as the GG thing goes, I mean, you just got to let it play out. I mean, I think Lamont Paris is working awfully hard, you know, trying to keep this thing afloat for the rest of the year. Uh, and, and then I think after the season, they're just going to have to kind of determine if they make changes, what do they need to do. Uh, what do they need to do about the portal? I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of questions, uh, even though it's his first season. But, um, you know, I, I, I think there are, with this particular team, some signs of life. Uh, I think with me personally, I, I'm kind of just looking to, to latch on to something for next year. You know, what, what, I know this year is probably done, but what what gives us hope moving forward? And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll find that here in the next couple of weeks, hopefully.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: JC, I appreciate you being gracious with your time. One last thing, and I'll get you out of here. It's actually a two-part question. I feel like one of the big J journos in a Shane Beamer press conference where they have those those questions that are like three questions in one. Um, the 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 question is this, and you can you can be as as brief or as as, as thorough as you like, because I know the first part of my question is kind of a touchy situation. But we haven't chatted since. You know, last Friday it comes out, the Montague-Rames, Cameron Upshaw, Anthony Rose thing. Have you heard anything on the status of those players and their futures? Second part of my question, a little bit more fun to talk about because we had a uh, a listener of the show bring this up, the running back position. I know the portal's closed right now. Would you expect South Carolina, though, to go out and seek out another running back? You've got Juju. You've got Lavoisier Carroll. You've got Mario Anderson from Newberry. Dontavius Braswell's a freshman, but I tend to think I would be kind of surprised if they didn't go out and try to find maybe a proven guy to to boost the running back room. So, anyways, I, I'll let you take the floor.
4: Yeah, I answer the second question first. I, I, I think so. I think you need five. Um, so, so what's that? That's that's basically four. Uh, I don't know if Dante Miller is coming back or not, but uh, that's. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you probably need one more. Um, it, it, it just kind of depends on who's out there. They're not going to just sign a warm body, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I think, you know, how hard, or I don't want to say desperate, but how much of a focus is it, uh, after, you know, uh, spring practice, I think it depends on Lavoisier Carroll and, uh, how much better uh, he gets during the spring. Um, People may not believe me, and, and look, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again, but I I, I think Mario Anderson Jr. is probably the starting running back here next year. I know that scares the crap out of people, but uh, I'll tell you this. A lot of people I trust think he's the real deal, and, boy, you turn on that film, and uh, he looks good. And I, and I tell people this because they're like, well, he's coming from Newberry. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, some guys come at running back. They'll come straight from high school. <laughs> And Newberry's a little tougher. D2 is a little tougher than high school. So, you know, and they come in and play just fine. Running back's one of those positions where largely you either got it or you don't. Um, and so I, uh, you know, I, I think Lavoisier Carroll is the guy to watch this situation because I, I think Juju sort of is what he is. Um, still, even if Lavasier, everybody goes, ah, the lights come on. He's going to be the stud we all thought he would be, blah, blah, blah. You still got to guard against injury, so I still think you need five. I mean, you know, people think back to the 2011 season. You know, Brandon Wilds was the fifth team running back mm-hmm. heading into the year, uh, and ended up having to start. Now, a stretch, right? It was pretty good. So uh, sometimes you run into that in this league, and so you know, I, I do think it's intriguing. I'm with you, Chris. I, I I could definitely see them targeting somebody. You know how. How, how not desperate, but how liberal liberal of a uh, you know, cat net do they cast, right? Uh, I think that, that depends on Lavoisier, uh, you know, by and large. And then, you know, you ask about the guys getting in trouble, I, you know, it's an ongoing legal matter. Um, I think it's very unfortunate. I, I kind of you know, I, I'm one of these, the law's the law person, people, right? You know, the law's the law. Uh, and I, I think what they did was probably not very smart. But I, I'll also say this, when I was that age, you know, I, I, I think that I would know, you know, no guns on campus. But what that would mean to me would be no guns in class. You know, you're not going to rock into class with a rifle. Or you're not going to you know, rock into class with a handgun. You're not going to go to the Russell house with a rifle. You know, you're not going go to go. Now, the dorms and the apartments, you know, I don't know that I would have had the, the maturity and the wherewithal, you know, had I been out recreationally shooting to sit there and think, oh, this is technically on campus because it fundamentally is your private residence right now. It's your house. It's where you live. And and so, you know, I'm usually not, uh, you know, and you know the obstruction of justice, whatever else they're charged with, right? You know, that's on them. But I, you know, looking at it, I'm like, yeah, well, that was dumb to have a gun on campus and whatever in, in your dorm or whatever. But I sort of understand how that mistake could have been made, just because in my mind back then, you know, the where I lived, you know, I don't necessarily know that being like a freshman and all that, then I would have considered that like school, you know what I'm saying? Or school property or whatever, because it's all, you know, a freshman blur and adjustment. So, but I, will they be back on the team? I don't know. I, I can't rule out that, you know, one, two, three of them are back, but I also can't rule out that it's a complete dismissal. I mean, it's it's just one of those things with the legal, uh, the legal, uh, the wheels of justice have to turn. How about
1: that? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things it's out of Shane Beamer's control. So we'll yeah. just kind of see what happens. And, yeah. and again, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully it works out favorably for those guys and for South Carolina football and all parties involved. J.C. Sherbert inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. J.C., I appreciate you taking the time, man. It's always a pleasure chatting chat with you. Looking forward to doing it again next week, my friend. Take care. All right.
4: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, man.
1: Absolutely. You too. Great stuff, and guys. We've just got six minutes to go, so we will not jump into a break. Uh, we'll close out the show just taking more of your questions, comments, calls. Again, I appreciate J.C. Sherbert for his insights, for his perspective. And, uh, yeah, again, that's something we haven't really talked about this week because, I, I mean, I, there's really no point in trying to speculate or anything like that. Like you mentioned, let the system play itself out and uh, – you know, you just think about the kids, and hopefully for the kids, it, it turns out in a way in which, you know, they can learn their lesson, but also not just totally get kicked out of school. You know what I mean? So, um, anyways, anyways, guys, 8437903377. Uh, we got time for a couple more calls, if you will, some more questions. I appreciate y'all. Again, guys, really exciting stuff. Podcast dropped this morning, episode. Also, by the way, back to J.C.'s comments I thought was really interesting. J.C. Sherbert saying he projects and believes that Mario Anderson will be the starting running back. Go Wolves indeed. Go Wolves indeed. Them Newberry boys are built different. I hear you. I hear you. Madison, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, are you guys fired up for the Super Bowl? I know that's kind of random, but I just went on uh, social media. Are you? Are, do you guys care? I mean, is it? Is it? Do you, do you throw Super Bowl parties? Is that something you do? Is that uh, you know? Is that something you guys care about?
2: Get into whatever. Uh, let's see. Chris Sean says, Chris, you can recruiting. Who has
1: better recruiting Tennessee or South Carolina? Right now. I think South Carolina does right now, right now. I think the Gamecocks do. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty close though. Pretty close. It's pretty damn close. Tennessee's recruiting well also. So, but you know, you start looking ahead to 2024 and beyond and, you know, I think South Carolina could absolutely surpass them, but
2: Let's see. Bruin Nation, Gamecock
1: Nation will riot. Riot over what, Bruin Nation? Riot over what? What specifically? Guys, again, golf merch officially available over at tsus.store. Go check it out. Really excited for the new golf merch. Um, appreciate y'all the love and support of the merchandise side of the business. Really, really cool stuff. I'll be adding more designs. I'm not done yet. Uh, we'll get out the TDC logo. We'll get out Clem Sucks. We'll probably get out Shane Storm, Yardcocks, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. So, definitely, definitely stay tuned. Um, really, really exciting stuff happening on the merchandise side of the business. Of course, guys, we'll be live again tomorrow, TDC, noon to 2.00. Uh, no special guests or anything. We'll just have a full day taking your questions, comments, calls. No TDC Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week, though. So I'll probably, I'll probably talk a lot of South Carolina baseball tomorrow, um, just to get us some honestly get some clips for next week. But no, we'll talk a lot of South Carolina baseball and whatever's happening, obviously, in the Gamecocks' course this weekend. They take on Ole Miss, also opportunity to win a ball game. So we shall see. We shall see. We shall see. It's also nice, right, Bruin Nation, when, uh, you know, it always happens. It always happens. But uh, after a couple of days, right, after a couple of days, if you don't stoke the fires, the fires go out. Eventually, right? Eventually, the fires go out. So that's, um, you love to see that. Thankfully, the, the, the madness has sort of subsided, if you will but uh, probably not for <laughs> no, knowing in-game cock nation. Probably not for long. Probably not for long. Uh, some more craziness or madness will hit the fan. Something will happen. Somebody will say something, right? But uh, you know, it's, it's funny in social media. It's, it's not about like it, it's, it's when you create content, you have opinions. It's inevitable that you're going to get put through the ringer on social media. It's not about never getting put through the ringer. It's just, is it your turn or not? Right. And that's, that's the reality of social media. Within 24 to 48 hours, they find somebody new to cancel, somebody new to be mad at, somebody new to go after, somebody new to attack. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just, it's just a it's just a vicious cycle. You know what I mean? It's it's a tale as old as time. So thankfully, though, things are starting to calm down. The content takes center stage and not all of the slapdickery and the madness that we maybe experienced earlier in the week. Either uh, way, anyway, Jeff is interesting. By the RB1 predictions by JC, I'm a big Lavassier Carroll fan, and I hope that he balls out. I am as well. I mean, dude, the guy was really highly touted. Um, he's got tons of talent, obviously. So you know, we need him to get healthy, but it'll be interesting to see that running back battle position, that that running back room, how that shakes out over the spring, the course of spring ball, of spring ball, will be really, really interesting to see. Again, guys, I appreciate y'all. Thank you all so much. Definitely, again, check out the podcast. Drop the day, episode 758. uh, Breaking down the Yardcocks outfielders. Talking a little court cocks. And my good friend, Dimitri Cordis of 11.7, the College Baseball Podcast, joins us to talk all things South Carolina, SEC, and National College Baseball. Guys, that being said, we've hit 2 o'clock. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Have a great rest of your Thursday. And we will talk to you all tomorrow.